What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. What's up and welcome in. You're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Follow me on Instagram and uh, on uh, IGJHood and also on Twitter, twitter.com, tweetjhood. Great to have you in today. So uh, I want to get your thoughts uh, about leadership Let's start there and talk a little bit about leadership because, you know, the thing that is really disappointing, it's one thing to be able to watch sports and enjoy this, the games. I mean, it's great that during this COVID-19 that we're able to watch some of these games and, and see what's happening here. But leadership in sports does matter. I look at Adam Silver of the NBA, and I see what he's been able to, to do by having all these players that wanted to play for them to be in Orlando in this bubble. And every time you look at an NBA Twitter site or whatever that gives that information about what is going on with COVID-19 in the NBA, there are zero positive tests. doesn't mean that the NBA is out of the woods. It just talks about how, It's interesting how they are able to put all this together, and I'm watching a lot of NBA as of late, and things seem to be seamless. When I'm watching the NHL, because the Blackhawks are back, and we'll talk about the Hawks a little bit later on in our show, we watch the Chicago Blackhawks and see what's happening with the Hawks, and to be able to see what is happening with the Chicago Blackhawks and watching the NHL, they're in their bubble in Edmonton. And when I'm watching the NHL and seeing how things are going swimmingly, you're seeing Gary Bettman be able to be the commissioner, put this bubble thing to to uh, to the test, and it seems like it's working well in two sites in Canada. I see Steve Phelps from NASCAR, who is trying to be more inclusive, trying to get more people involved into NASCAR, where it's just not a narrow focus on NASCAR, but uh, there are multiple people now. Not just the people that are already into the sport, but African-Americans, Latinos, women. You're trying to uh, try to evolve as a sport. And you have someone like Bubba Wallace that is in place that's creating awareness for black lives, for Black Lives Matter and talking about that. It's something that's different. And difference, when you see things that are different, it's not necessarily a bad thing. What you're looking at is to be able to evolve and just trying to grow. It, it, it's, I think I look at NASCAR, and sure, I'm right there watching the Daytona 500. Sure, that's great. But now you take a look at NASCAR, and you're trying to bring more people under the tent so the sport can grow. 
Sure, they're making their money, but you want more people to watch. That's what NASCAR is trying to do, try to be more inclusive and say, no, this is not a country club. Everyone can be able to be a part of the NASCAR experience. So I look at those three sports in particular with the NBA, with the NHL, with what is going on with NASCAR and say, boy, there's some leadership there. They want their sport to grow. And then I look at college football and I try to understand what college football is trying to do. You know, college football is bereft of leadership. Where is the leadership when it comes to college football? This is a sport that has needed a commissioner for a long time. Not Mark Emmert, not him. We're not talking about him. We're talking about someone that can be able to be over an overseer for the power five or someone that can be able to, uh, look over college football and say, Hey, we're dealing with COVID-19 right now. So what we're going to do is this is the direction. We'll have our sport in, in the spring, or we'll do it next summer, whatever it is. But it is amazing to watch college football and Roger Goodell in the national football league be willy nilly with all of this. It is August 10th. Do you know if the Bears will start on time? If you're a college football fan, do you know if Illinois is going to start on time or Notre Dame is going to start on time or Northwestern? Do you even know where you can get tickets? Do you know if you'll be able to go to the games? Do you know the starting times and the opponents for, for these teams? Do you have any idea? It's all up in the air, but that's not leadership. I know that COVID-19 and sports, the intersection of, of saying has thrown a lot of people off, but you don't lose the leadership. You don't lose the focus of like, well, this is going on right now. So what do we do? Well, listen, as citizens, we're trying to figure out every day, living day to day. How will we deal with this? How can we get around this in 2020? This has been hell for a lot of people in 2020, but when you are in leadership, and there's millions of dollars on the line. There are lives that are on the line. You have to be able to instill leadership in that moment. College football, for those of you who listen to me for a long time, you know how much I love college football. I, I continue to ram home the point at this station to have a college football show. And now Black Abdallah and I have a college football show during the fall. And I enjoy it because... First of all, I'm a college football fan. I enjoy my Saturdays. The other thing is, is that it prepares me for the draft. I know these players when I see them. So that's why I'm a college, one of the reasons why I'm a college football fan. Nonetheless, it's about leadership. And it, it is just not there. Roger Goodell in the National Football League. Do we have any idea if we can go to Soldier Field? I know the Packers said the first couple of home games at, at Lambeau Field uh, will be without fans. What is going on? Here we are as fans just standing on the sidelines on the side of the road waiting. So like what happens? What are we what are we waiting for? How come there has not been something definitive that's been put out there for us to be able to know, for us to be able to understand? College football and the NFL are behind. Major League Baseball is the most egregious of them all. Because as we talked about in the baseball show many times, we have tried to figure out like, what is baseball's plan? What is their ultimate plan for what they want to do? I mean, they, it, it started with players and owners going back and forth. And, you know, there is Manfred siding with the owners. Of course, that's not a surprise, right? Siding with the owners. And you're just trying to say, okay, so now that baseball's back, how can it be safe for the players? 
because that's the thing that matters the most, the players. And so you see these players and you see not one but two outbreaks, one from Miami with the Marlins and the other one with the St. Louis Cardinals. And the sport's still going on, but the, the protocols, where's the protocols for all this? There's no bubble plan like the NHL and the NBA, but in baseball, dudes go to the hotel and go try to kick it like, please, Zach, try to do that on Saturday night here in Chicago. And there is no rhyme, no reason. Now, I will say this, not just baseball and Rob Manfred, but also the players are just like you and me and everyone else that feel like COVID-19, some don't take it seriously, some do. And they feel, well, I'm young, I'm, I'm good with it. When we see the numbers of deaths every day, it's too, one is too many. It's crazy, but it's something that happens. But my bottom line is, is that if not now, when will we see leadership? College football, there is a divide. Something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, a divide between the athletic directors and coaches and the players on whether or not they want to play or not. There are a number of players that say we want to play no matter what is going on with COVID-19. That's cool. But how do you protect them? Trevor Lawrence is the number one guy. I saw him on Twitter last night that we want to play. Cool. How do you protect Trevor Lawrence? How do you protect those players? It's one thing to say, I want to play because you love college football. Great. But you need to be protected from what is going on with COVID-19. Because the last thing that you want is to be sick from this or die from this. But again, there's no leadership. It's just hashtags. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. It, it really is. Your thoughts on that? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. And out of all of these leaders, these commissioners, whether it's no commissioner in college football, whether it's Roger Goodell in the National Football League, who I'm not a fan of, and Rob Manfred is, is enemy number one for me. And like... He says that if you're going to have multiple outbreaks, we might shut the season down. It's still going on. So, But where are the protocols in place once the players get to the stadium as far as um, them enforcing uh, the rules of not spinning and, and making sure that everyone is safe? It's on the players, but it's also on Rob Manfred as well. So I want to get your thoughts. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. My heart is broken. I'll explain that next right here on UTH. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000. No show tomorrow because we've got White Sox baseball. White Sox will take on the uh, Tigers from Comerica, so we'll have that uh, tomorrow. Right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So I woke up this morning with this news today. Two shot, more than 100 people arrested. 13 officers injured amid widespread downtown looting. Two people were shot, more than 100 people arrested, and 13 police officers were injured as crowds broke windows and looted stores along Michigan Avenue and on the near north side overnight this morning. I was reading this in the Sun-Times. Mayor Lori Lightfoot called it a, quote, brazen criminal looting and destruction, and 
Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown said police would aggressively pursue cases against people involved in the looting. A team of detectives has been assigned to scour security footage of all the incidents. Brown said that police will not stand by and watch downtown Chicago become, quote, someplace people fear. He promised a heavy police presence to restore order and said that access to downtown was going to be restricted. So there's a curfew going on from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Chicago's top cop said that, quote, the seeds for the shameful destruction we saw last night started in Inglewood yesterday afternoon, about 2.30 in the afternoon. Saw this in the news last night. Officers responded to a report of a man with a gun. He fled as he as they arrived, Brown said, and fired at officers. They returned fire, striking the man who is expected to survive. Brown said that the 20-year-old had previously faced charges of domestic battery, reckless conduct, and child endangerment. And after the shooting, a crowd gathered in the area. As the unrest in Inglewood grew, police became aware of several social media posts about looting That was planned downtown, Brown said. As a result of the department, they deployed 400 officers in the area. Brown said that the first looting incident took place at 87th and the Dan Ryan. And I drove by there early this afternoon, and there is police presence there around that mall. And again, it's not a lot of of businesses there anymore like it used to be uh, when I was growing up. But... As it says here that the first looting incident uh, was at 87th and the Dan Ryan, but soon car caravans were headed into the loop. So they began looting videos posted social media showed large crowds breaking windows and entering stores along the mag miles. We talk about this with under the hood with Jonathan hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So words like leadership, accountability, Equality, those words were swimming through my mind as I watched in disbelief the story today of looters robbing stores downtown in North Avenue on 87th Street. As a lifelong South Sider, I will tell you that there is a need for jobs and unemployment for everybody. Even before COVID-19, there was a need for those that needed a job or a career to take care of themselves and take care of their family. In the black community, this has been an ongoing problem. Our anger and our outrage is a dead end when it comes to looting. It is. A plan and strategy to help communities will not stop violence, but it can improve the infrastructure within communities of need. Funding the police is great, but funding underserved communities is even better. The feeling of hopelessness and the feeling that you don't matter gets to a fever pitch and people start showing their anger and they rob stores. Social media had a post about how people were going to loot and cause hell. I'm glad the police were there. But you would have thought that they would have been there ahead of time if this was something that was posted, that they were going to start going downtown and start looting. I'm sad today about not only what happened downtown, but the relationship between the police and citizens had never been worse in my lifetime. 
Maybe in your lifetime it's been worse, but in my lifetime I've never seen anything quite like this. The trust isn't there, and there isn't a conduit to bring both sides together. We talked earlier about leadership. The leadership in this city isn't measured on how quick the mayor is to raise her voice or point fingers or how quickly the governor can leave a press conference as he did this morning because he had another event to go along, go on to. He didn't have time to take five or six questions about this in his state. The bottom line is, is that the words continue to be an issue in this city, in this country about mental health and no resources and not enough support for communities of need. Anger and frustration is palpable. It's not about politics. It's just about our lives. It's about how we live. Young people that I've talked to, that I've had the pleasure to talk to in group settings, young people just want to be heard. The mindset of some that loot or shoot one another is a systemic cry for help. The apparent disconnect for the underserved communities, black, brown, white, is that the powers that be care more about businesses than the community at large. And the prevailing thought I have that what young people and those that couldn't care less about them is like, hey, you know what? Here's what you really hold dear. The whole thought I think from some young people is, if you don't care about us, We don't care about you and what you care about. What I saw on those videos is exactly it. Again, I've not been in that mindset to be able to loot and rob a store. And maybe you haven't been in that mindset either. No matter how dire the circumstances have been, when you try to play beat the bank and try to get that mortgage paid or get that rent paid, when you're trying to figure out how to put ends meet, I've been there. While on the air, I've been there. While in my career, I've been there trying to figure out how ends can meet, how to pay these bills. The point is, is that where young people are, and again, that's not all young people. It may, may not be your son, your daughter. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those communities that have issues, that have had issues ongoing for generations. The feeling is that they couldn't care less about your life or things you hold dear. As I mentioned, they feel like, oh, if you don't care about us, then we don't care about you and what you care about. So I'm going to show you. And you could see that feeling of I'm going to take from you because you don't help us. But here's the thing. That is not the answer. Looting and taking from others. That's not that's not the answer. It's one thing when you are downtown or in your own neighborhood and you're robbing and you're stealing from that, but that's not ultimately the answer. I understand that there are some people that feel like their life is a dead end that, well, what else can I do to be able to make ends meet? What can I do to be able to showcase my pain? Again, it's not for everyone to relate to, but it is something for us to be able to understand. That's what they're facing. And I'm sad today 
because what I saw there was not it. That's not that's not the way to be able to go about business. That's not the way about going to go through your life because that moment last night hurt the city. And clearly the people that were looting didn't care, couldn't care less about the city, couldn't care less about uh, area businesses, whether it's in their area on 87th Street or North Avenue or some of these other malls or downtown, couldn't care less about it. And the other thing is I want to point out as well is that what happened last night and what we have seen as far as looting is not in the name of someone that was slain or someone that was shot. The kid that was shot, that's not the reason why that that happened. That's not the reason why that happened, at least not from my standpoint. There is systemic pain, generational pain, that has happened for a long time. And unless there is a conversation to be able to get this better, and again, nothing, it's not going to stop. It, that's just a, that's a fever dream. That is clicking your heels, hoping and wishing that all of this will stop. But the idea that in some areas where seniors can't get to a Walgreens or a CVS because it's been closed since George Floyd died, that's an, that's an area in South Shore where I live. That's in Auburn Gresham. That's in all the, some of the South Side places. That's some where my family's on the West Side. Some of those places uh, up north as well, those places have never recovered. Seniors that need to be able to get their medicine, they can't do it. They can't get it because of looters or because uh, it's been closed down, never reopened. There needs to be dialogue and there needs to be a conversation and there needs to be action. It's a lot of talking on either side of the aisle about what is wrong with this city and what's going on with the state. But until there's actual action and when you are sitting down, putting programs together to try to help people again, nothing is going to be perfect, but it's got to get better. Otherwise, this will continue to go on. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jesse Rogers covers Major League Baseball like a blanket for ESPN.com. He joins us here on Under the Hood. Hello, Jess. Great to be with you this evening, Jay Hood. What's happening, pal? Well, you know what's happening, pal. No Cubs baseball. You know what's happening. I need to talk to Commissioner Rogers. Is he around? <laughs> I am watching the White Sox. I mean, their bats have gone cold. Commissioner Rogers is always around. What's on your mind? Commissioner Rogers... If you are the if you're the commissioner of baseball, which you are, as as we have appointed you that right now, yeah. How how in the world can you allow the Cardinals to return with all these games that they have to make up? I mean, I mean, this is not the 1940s where you have a million double headers. How, right. how, how how can you possibly allow the Cardinals to try to get their games in within the 60 game parameter? Okay, it's a it's a great question for the commissioner. I think the answer is you don't try to force it. You don't try to force it to the point where the competition is just dreck and and injuries pile up for them. They're already in a bad spot. Okay, so you give them enough time to return, maybe this weekend if they're lucky, okay? And then you, you, you cancel out, first of all, 
any makeup games against teams that they're already not going to play again. Now they're going to play Milwaukee. They're going to play the Cubs. They're going to play the Pirates again. So yes, you add a doubleheader to each one of those series. Maybe the Cardinals are the home team at Wrigley Field because the Cubs don't go back down there. Maybe you add maybe you add two doubleheaders in, uh, day one and day three of a series, but you don't force it. If they end up playing forty-eight or fifty, so be it. The competition's already been compromised. Don't make it any worse. At this point, if they're not going to play 60, what's it really matter if it's 52 or 54 or 50? Make it the right amount. Don't force them to travel all over the place trying to make up a game against the Tigers or whatnot and and, and playing home games in St. Louis when they're going to be in Chicago, whatever the case may be. That's what I would do if I was commissioner. Mr. Commissioner, you saw what Plesak did slipping out the back door here in Chicago to go celebrate with his, with his, I guess, family, friends, whatever. What is the suspension or fine for someone that is uh, avoiding the, I guess you could say the narc, the, the guy that's supposed to be there for, uh, to, to watch the players? What's the suspension or fine for Plezak? What do you think it's fair? Well, I mean, first of all, they're doing the right thing with Clevenger and Plezak. I mean, the Indians are self-policing this thing. If we're to believe the compliance officer you know, eventually ratted them out or found out about it, then they're doing the right thing. Now, if there's five other guys that went out, we don't know about that. That's that's not good. But at least the Indians are doing the right thing. I'm not sure what – there's a gray area. I mean, I've seen the memo that the league sent to the teams, and it threatened expulsion from the season. But that was for multiple violations. That was for not listening when someone tells you. So I would imagine – just my own guess, Plesak and Clevenger are on uh, double-secret probation, right? And if this happens again, <laughs> this happens again, they might be expelled from, from the league. I'm not sure about fines or, or suspensions because the memo didn't say that. It just threatened expulsion. So I think it might be up to the Indians to, to decide if they need to be further punished. You already see that Clevenger's not going to pitch against the Cubs tomorrow. That's a benefit for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine those quarantines won't last long as long as they have – two days of negative testing, those guys. It's not going to be like 14 days for those guys. How Cleveland further punishes them, I'm not sure, Jay Hood. Okay, Mr. Commissioner, with the (laughs) Loriano situation with the A's outfielder and those vile remarks made by, I guess, Alex Centron in that spot, the last thing you want is players. Now, there was no fight, but you just don't want players congregating that close in this COVID-19. So how do you handle that situation? Because, again, you don't want players that close, and this is something the commissioner has said we don't want. Right. Uh, I think the Joe Kelly suspension gives us a blueprint. If he got eight, Loriano's probably going to get about the same, about the same, right? Eight games is a lot in a 60-game season. The guy, Cintron, that uh, uh, sort of goaded him, I think gets half that. I mean, he didn't, he didn't start the fight, right? But he certainly goaded him into it, So, and he's a coach. So I think he gets half of whatever Loriano gets. That's the way I look at it, and we have a blueprint of eight games. Maybe it's a little bit more because it was a bench clearer. I don't think it should be. I think it should be right around eight, and the other guy should get four. I like this game. Jesse's the commissioner. I like this game. It's good answers. That's why. That's why you like them. They're good because you know what? You got more justice than Manfred does. You got more backbone than that guy's got. I'm just well. At least you, I'm making dis- I'm making definitive decisions on the spot here, right? You know, it's not like yeah. you set me up for this. Just, he he takes days and weeks sometimes and comes up with the wrong one, right? You see that? You got you know the story. 
and I ask you the question and you've got the justice down. And this is why I talked, I started the show talking about leadership in sports. Whatever you want to say about Gary Bettman, that guy now is shined up like a new penny now. Look at him. <laughs> look at that national hockey. Look, look at him, Jesse. I mean, he's got two bubbles. People are watching. They're interested. Zero positive cases of, of uh, COVID-19. Him and Silver are one-two on my list, followed by Steve Phelps from NASCAR because of Black Lives Matter. He wants to be able to be more inclusive, which is smart for the sport of NASCAR. And then, to me, I got Goodell and Manfred almost in the same spot, along with who should be a commissioner of college football, which there is none. I, I just think that there's a lack of leadership in baseball and football and college football at this point, and Silver and Bettman are doing, and Phelps are doing fine. Well, and the big thing with, with, with Manfred is um, the, the, the disconnect with the Players Association. There's a real uh, disharmony there, right? A lot of acrimony. So that causes problems as well. If you, if you ever needed a, a relationship between the players and the league, it's in this situation. Bettman's getting it, um, and uh, it seems like the NBA is getting it. Now, their ideas turned out to be better. The bubble ideas are working much better for the NBA and NHL than this uh, everybody plays in their home city thing. In hindsight, it may, be, may have been a mistake for, the, for baseball, but I don't blame them because who knew at the time? Plus, Arizona and Florida uh, have been hot spots more recently, so I think hindsight's twenty twenty on that one. But it's just not good that these – that the players and the league aren't on better uh, footing, so to speak. So when these things come up, they can address it better. I'm just warming you up, Jesse, when you become the commissioner of the Power Five in college football because they need someone badly. What's the latest? Are we playing or not? Well, well, it's the South. We've got to wait. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, we yes. know the SEC, they might play. And, and, and the whole country might shut down, but the SEC will play. <laughs> that about the Big Ten, where we live. I just, I, all I want is, you know, it's funny. I, I mentioned this on several shows, Jesse, that in our lifetime, right, we, I didn't know you could say no as a college athlete. I, I never, because we never experienced it. We never saw right, a, college, right. a, a college athlete saying, nope, I'm not going to do this. They have right. come together, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten in particular, have come together and said, yeah, you know what, uh, we want to come together. We Here's our list of demands. We want to be safe when we, when we play college football. I, like, who says no? You you know that the, usually the most powerful person in, a, in one of these states, especially in the South, is the college football coach. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. It's just it's, it's just a strange time. And, and again, it's like so confusing. It's just a consumer. I, I hear about some players worried about some some uh, issues related to covid. Right. And you worry about them. And then again, I, I see that other sports have been able to pull it off. But college campuses is a different thing. So you, I, at the very least, you got to be able to see all sides and say there is no sure thing in this. But uh, it doesn't seem like uh, they're, they're working on the same page, almost like baseball with the players in the league you know it's the same thing with college football there's so many factions so to speak so many opinions that you don't know which what to believe and which is going to be the prevailing one jesse rogers covers major league baseball for espn.com he joins me jonathan hood on under the hood on espn 1000 and the espn chicago app it's only been 13 games jesse but could you give us some insight on maybe what some players are saying about david ross because it's one thing to look at the you know, Sterling ten and three record first in the National League Central. But is there anything that Ross is doing that's different than Madden that you've heard? I mean, it, yes. I mean, he is inherently different than Madden. Okay, first of all, he's got that young energy to him. First year manager, little 
obviously younger than Joe Madden. Um, and you need that. You needed this. You needed that during this pandemic. It is it is a grind. It is a mental grind. So David Ross is kind of keeping guys awake. And I think that's important. And he's also just tweaking a little bit like like Joe did in 15, just bringing out the best in those young players. Now, David Ross is bringing out seemingly the best in some veterans that they weren't getting before. And just the new voice makes a difference. I mean, they're not leading the league in outs on the bases anymore. They're not making a lot of errors anymore. They're uh, they're playing smart, good baseball. So um, I, I think it's just all those things you get out of a competent, respected first year manager. That's you know that's fair. And again, it's so early because we, we haven't seen him in a bind yet, where he's got to make a huge decision. And it's not a lot to make when you have you know a universal DH either. But it's so far, and he, the way he's handling the press, that seems pretty good too. No, I agree with you. I think it was a, a perfect landing spot for him. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. Take the DH out of it, right? Um, uh, I, I've joked on a couple radio stations. Just think if, I don't know, I, I, I said, Joe, if Joe Espada was telling Javi Baez to put his mask on, right? The, the pre-existing re- relationship Ross has with these guys is even more important during a crisis like this, right? Yeah. So all these things are playing in his favor. Um, and the starting staff and, and the lineup is giving him time to figure out his bullpen. If they weren't playing so well in those two areas, man, he'd be he'd be he'd be losing even more hair. His gray would, his his beard would be turning even more gray because that bullpen early on is tough. Now, I think it's actually getting better already. Now that they kind of know what Kimbrel is or isn't at the moment, Jeffress has been good. Sadler's getting there, Kyle Ryan's getting there. It, it Rowan Wick is 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 sort of getting there. He wasn't great in spring, so it's already better than it was 2 weeks ago and the other parts of their game has bought them time. You're a Wick fan, uh, Rowan Wick, right? As far as the future closer, which Wick are you into? No, I'm into Rowan Wick. I, I, yeah. I, he's he's wacky enough, kind of goofy enough um, of a, t- a type of guy. He's like my type of guy. You know, I like the kind of the guys that are offbeat. Most of them are usually lefties out of the pen, but there's a few righties out there. He's a little offbeat, and I like that. He's also got a hell of a curveball when it's working. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that. Um, I I thought that Kimbrel should have been in earlier in the game against Kansas City, that last right. one. Yeah. I think he should have pitched a couple of innings, but I, I get it. Like Underwood is going to be your your long man. He hung in there pretty good, as, as best as he could under the circumstances. Kansas City was just locked in offensively. Well, it'd be interesting if Jose Quintana can return at full strength. What happens to Alec Mills? And it's hard to pull him out of the rotation right now. But, you know, I shook my head when you mentioned Dwayne Underwood. I mean, you just don't know what he's going to be. And that swing swingman position is so important. Now, they were out of that game, but there's going to be many games where they need that swingman. And I'm not sure Dwayne Underwood's the answer. Alec Mills would be the answer. But, of course, he's more valuable as a starter, at least uh, right now, if Jose Quintana shows something that might change. So we'll see how this plays out. How many teams could Ian Happ start for in the, in the big leagues? No, more than you think now. I mean, the skill set was always there. He's closed up the hole in his swing. Um, yeah, he doesn't have a perfect position for him, but there's a lot to like when you talk about a switch hitter with power. That He does take his walks, too. So um, I would say more than you think. I, I'm not saying every contending team he'd start for, not the Dodgers necessarily, but uh, any second-tier team for sure. I mean, he's starting on the Cubs. David Ross has probably praised Ian Happ more than any other player on the team. Basically said, center field is his. He's the real deal. He's here to stay. Think of the adjective, and, and David Ross has used it on Ian Happ. And so far, so good. I mean, he is showing a lot of improvement over, over previous years where he was striking out a lot. 
All right, give me a little nugget. Give me something. Something on your phone, Jesse. Give me a little something that someone... God, I have to, I'd have to dig deep because I kind of took the last 24 hours off once I realized <laughs> there was no Sunday night baseball for the Cubs Double. and they were off today because I was supposed to be in St. Louis. Um, that was through. a strange... So the scroll that, through, there's something Okay, there. I'll, I'll go back to, to uh, the St. Louis trip because that was a strange day. Um, I got this text. I may not have said this on the air, so let's just say it's exclusive to you. I got this text. Um, that even if the Cardinals play again, they are going to, and I don't know if this is exactly true or not, they're going to dress like little leaguers, show up and play the game and go home. They are done with COVID-19, done with crowds, done with batting practice, done with dugouts. Mike Schilt did say that if you're not in the starting lineup, you're not going to be in the dugout. That's the, the manager of the Cardinals. So I got that text that it is show and go for the Cardinals from here on out if they play again. We'll see. I like that. See, I like the nugget that you get. You yeah. Know, I don't. I don't want the stuff you get the other shows. I want the. I want the exclusive. I want the nugget. Well, That's what I want. And, and like I said, sometimes I have to dig deep for you, but I always find one. <laughs> I, I love the nugget. That's what I like. <laughs> the off the record nugget. That's you what you got to it. have. It's going to be a sponsor one day. All right. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> My friend, as always, I appreciate it. I'm looking at the uh, scoreboard, by the way. Not a lot of good games right now. I got a blowout Washington, Philly. My God, if you took the over, which I did a couple times, well, it's pretty good tonight. <laughs> well, maybe Luis Robert will come off the bench. He didn't start, right? He did not. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll come off the bench and win this for your White Sox. We'll see. Because he needed an off day because he's, he's 40 years old. you got to have Robert give him I mean, oh, this <laughs> He's slumping. He's slumping. Piece he doesn't need the off day. He's so slumping. Him. <laughs> Look, if, if, he was, if he was a great manager, how come Theo didn't keep him? Oh, that's right, because he upgraded with Joe. Yeah, and, and you so, can't deny that. Come on, that's man. true. That's, that's true. And Grandal, he gives Grandal. He's, I think Grandal's had like three days off already. It's sixty that's games. Now, for for Grandal, that's too many because he's a, he's pretty good catcher. He put him at first base and he, he he throws underhand on the on the squeeze play. You see that? Last I saw night? that. Yes, I did see. Well, that was a tough play, but I did see it. Yes. It, it, well, most like eighty percent of the first baseman, if they could play the position, would throw overhand and try to get a bang bang play out of it. Grandal with the the softball pitch underneath, not, to, it's terrible. I'm not sure he had enough time to do anything, but you, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Come on, man, come on, I get better than <laughs> I mean, I just yeah, I'm fired up. I mean, for for a catcher, I tell you what, Grandal's a great a hell of a DH. Just, <laughs> just tell you right now. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's what he's there for. I mean, he's he's there for offense, Jesse. I'm just telling you, he's right. there for offense. He's not a very very good catcher. Then he put yeah. him at first base in that spot, and like he was almost overwhelmed by the moment. Right. He's not not happy. All right. Well, let's see if they come back tonight, and you'll be changing your tune tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Jay Hood. Jesse Rogers covers Major League Baseball like a blanket for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter uh, for all the information that you need on Cubs, Sox, and everything else, MLB. In a minute, I will tell you about glorious DraftKings on UTH.